0: Welcome to the Six Figure Influencer Podcast. I'm your host, Allie Reeves, and my purpose is to help women grow their online businesses, influence, and income with ease. I've built a multiple six-figure business on social media and have mentored now thousands of women across multiple industries on how to do the same. If you're ready to drop the excuses, learn all the juicy secrets, and step fully into the six-figure and beyond boss that you're meant to be, then you've come to the right place. Let's get started. Hello, hello. Welcome to the Six Figure Influencer Podcast. I'm so happy you are here. I hope you are having an incredible day and you're feeling well and everything is feeling like it's working out for you. I truly believe it all is, but I hope it feels that way because ain't there a difference? So today we are continuing our Q and a sessions. I guess we did part one last week and this week we are moving forward with part two. And I teased last week that the questions that we'll be going over today are super juicy, and they they really are so I'm excited about today and the um and to be able to dive into these amazing questions that so many of you submitted. so thank you again for taking the time and small reminder, if you ever is my lip swelling up again, I don't know what is going on with my freaking mouth. my lips keep swelling up anyway. <laughs> I'll be fine. This happened the other day and then it just went away. So I don't know if I'm eating something weird or anyway, what do you care? This is focus. So anyway, uh, it, what I wanted to say was that if you ever have a request for a podcast or a question that you want me to answer on a podcast or on Instagram I love those requests. I live for them actually because they make my life a lot easier. So this is your invitation to reach out to me anytime at Allie I Reeves on Instagram. And if you don't mind um, at the top of that request, just put podcast request and I'll be able to find it a little easier and I will absolutely get that to you. So anyway, um, yeah, let's go ahead and get into it. So These questions I'm going to be answering today are about my numbers and my business growth specifically. So that's what they're all focused on today. And these questions came in because it was either the day that I posted the question box or the day before. I posted my 2021 revenue numbers on my stories. And I not only gave the exact revenue numbers for every single month in 2021. But then I gave um, total revenue numbers from 2018 to 2021. So the reason why I got so many questions about this was because there was quite a jump from 2018 to 2019. And thank God my revenue has been increasing pretty great over the past four years. So anyway, my 2021 numbers, just to kind of give you a a picture of what we're talking about and what these questions are referring to. So, okay, actually let's start back in 2018. So 2018 was the year that I switched my business from managing social media to teaching social media. Since then, my business has even more evolved into more like business strategy. But 2018, that's when I made that leap because I was super burnt out managing social media. And I said, you know what, I'm just gonna take a chance and I'm going to become a course creator. That was like, that that was the dream for me, or I thought it was because I saw that like Amy Porterfield was doing it and Jenna Kutcher, you know, those were the two I was listening to their podcast religiously. And what they did was they created these courses and they launched them X number of times a year. And they were just freaking killing it. So I was like, I I can do that. And that's what I set off to do. And today my business looks very different. Thank God. But it was from that moment that everything shifted and pivoted, albeit over four years. So it's been, it's been a process, but, um, Okay. So this is where I was at in 2018. So in 2018, my revenue was $5,000. And I explained in last week's podcast that the reason why was because I did not sell anything the whole year until the end of the year. I was very, I had like a ton of anxiety around showing up on camera. I, um, I don't know. You know, I thought I had to have everything perfect. I was working on this course. There was just there was a lot of excuse making going on and it wasn't until the end of the year that I actually launched something and I made like around 5 grand, but after expenses I was actually in the red. So that's what 2018 looked like. 2019, my revenue looked like $190,000. So giant leap. And then in 2020, I brought in $290,000 in revenue. And in 2021, we brought in $506,171. So super proud of those numbers. And just to give you an idea of what my monthly income looked like in 2021, basically my lowest revenue month was in May and I brought in $20,000 little over $20,000. My highest revenue month was in December of 2021, which was 65, almost $66,000 and, you know, everything in between for that year. So that gives you an idea of my business growth since 2018. And that's where these questions are coming from. All right. So the first question comes from the Mary Moore and she asked what happened from 2018 to 2019 to see such an increase. And again, I kind of talked about this a bit last week, so I encourage you to go back and listen because I'm going to answer this in a little bit of a different way. So I'm not saying the same thing again, but long story short, I actually sold things (laughs) Right. Like I, I actually in 2018, it was kind of my year to figure it out. It was my year to, you know, I, I did, although I wasn't selling that year, what I did do was I built brand. I I did have a social media presence and I did show up as often as I possibly could, even though I had this borderline debilitating insecurity for, for being on camera. I did show up often and I gave as much free value as I possibly could. I threw something out for the very first time at the end of the year. And then it was like, okay, that didn't go so hot. Like it's done, it's in the past, but if I wanted to continue growing my own business and doing what I loved, which which I genuinely had fallen in love with building a brand and, and teaching in the way that I do today, I fell in love with that. But if I wanted to con- continue doing that, we needed to make some money, right? Because I mean, I obviously like I'm bringing in income to our household as well. You know, I, I didn't want it all to be on Chris. And at that time it was, and it was challenging for us as a family. So, you know, cause we had had cruise in 2018. So it was like, okay, it's, it's time to go. It's time to make something happen. So I really had this fire lit under my butt. I also had this disappointment in myself from the year prior because I felt like, I felt like I could have done more and I was disappointed because reflecting on New Year's Eve in 2018, I was like, wow, not much has changed this year. And that felt really cruddy. So going into 2019, I had this momentum to not make those same mistakes. I had the momentum to do things differently so that I never felt that way again. And what that looked like was consistently selling putting myself out there getting over my insecurities and fears and and acting like a freaking business owner right when you own a business you have no choice but to sell you have to bring in revenue if you if you want to own a business otherwise you're out of business so i really took that very seriously and something that i used to say a lot more and i haven't said this in a while but when you like your, your business becomes a business when you stop treating it like a hobby. And I don't, I I used to say it a lot cooler than that. How did I used to say that? I used to say, I don't know. Anyway, it can be summed up with this. If you treat your business like a hobby, you're going to get hobby level results. You start treating your business like a business, you're going to get business level results. And that that's essentially what happened from 2018 to 2019. The next question is from, oh my gosh, I don't know if I'm going to be able to pronounce that. Saguaro Mu S-A-G-U-A-R-O-B-A-Y-P-M-U. Thank you for the question. Her question is, what daily habits made the biggest difference in your increase in income? There's a lot of them. I think they can all be summed up with consistency over time. Okay? You can't fake that, right? There's no substitute for for time, especially when you're building trust online or in business in general and building relationships. But, you know, so it can all be summed up. But here are a few that came to mind. Number one, consistency on social media. I knew that I wanted to grow a brand on social media. I knew that that's where my client base was gonna come from. That's where all of my business was gonna come from for the most part. So if you're wanting to build a business on social media, you need to set up shop there, right? And and I love thinking of of your Instagram, your profile like your office. And this used to be more of a conversation conversation I think people I think people are more used to looking at social media for business nowadays. But a couple of years ago, it was still relatively not new, but different there. There were so many people that were making that first transition from using social media for pleasure and for wasting time to then needing to use it for business purposes. And a lot of people are having this issue with feeling like they were wasting time with every minute that they were spending scrolling and creating content and showing up in their stories. And what I would recommend everybody, if you're growing a business on social media, you need to show up to the office. Like if you never show up to the office, you're probably going to get in trouble, right? Like your business is going to suffer. That's how I think of it. So I started thinking of Instagram, of Facebook, you know, whatever platform I wanted to to grow on like an office. And I needed to put in a certain amount of time there. So consistency on social media, consistency building relationships with clients via programs, via coaching. I also used to do a lot more free trainings in the beginning of my business. I would say 2018, I did a lot of free trainings. 2019, I probably did more. I did a ton, a ton of free trainings in network marketing groups again, I'm not, I'm personally not in network marketing, but I've been fortunate to have a lot of relationships with women who are, and a lot of incredible leaders there. And they were generous enough to let me train in their groups. And I did a lot of that for free, which got me a decent amount of exposure, right? So I put in a lot of FaceTime, a lot of time building those relationships, 2019 was when I launched my podcast, which I know played into the level of credibility and notoriety and just overall exposure. Obviously, that took more time to build. That was probably wasn't until 2020 when I really started, I guess, being found by the podcast and getting business that way. But I started it in 2019 so yeah it again it can all kind of be summed up with showing up consistently over time selling consistently over time getting over myself that's that's those are the things the daily habits that made the biggest difference in my increase in income my girl, Najat Washington, asked, what was the number one change you made to help you go from 5000 in revenue to over a $1, thousand hundred thousand in a year? And kind of already talked about this, but selling and selling often and then keeping it easy. So I remember like something, a memory that I have is in 2018, I was going to put out my first program. This was my first iteration of Influenced Income Formula, which I used to call Insta Ambassador. And I, I was going to, I was preparing to launch it. And I just remember feeling so consumed with overthinking Everything. And I remember specifically, like really stressed over the platform that I was gonna use to to host this training. And I remember I actually invested it was it was like a thousand dollars or something into a program that taught Kajabi. And I took this program and instead of it making me feel empowered and confident, It made me feel like I was going to have a heart attack. I felt so overwhelmed. Just something about that level of tech at that time, it was not the right thing. And I, okay. So also in 2018 was when I hired my very first coach, who is Sarah Dan, who's incredible I could not afford her, but I did it anyway, and I'm so thankful, and I know that there was a reason why I did that because when I got into her world, I got to experience how she hosted programs, and instead of using all of this super fancy tech, she used Facebook groups, and I just remember like, as soon as I saw that and was able to talk to her about it, it was like this giant breath of fresh air, just this massive relief that, that came over me because I was like, Oh, thank God. Thank God. I don't have to do it the way that other people do it. And again, I don't know what it was about Kajabi, but I I think it was just, I was so beginner. One, I don't even think I could afford the platform. And two, it just to be a brand new mom, And to be trying to build a brand, trying to launch and sell this thing, host this thing and learn the tech, even though I had invested $1,000 in a program to teach me exactly what to do, I just, again, I just felt so freaking overwhelmed. So the second thing, I, I know that Najat asked what the number one change was that helped me make that money, but it has to be two parts. It has to be like number one, selling and selling often. But number two, this was the moment that I f- that I got a taste of keeping it easy, letting things be easy, and not being embarrassed about that, not making that mean anything bad. Like if you desire to use the most robust, fancy programs to sell your stuff, Heck yeah, like go for it. But for me, that was not the vibe at the time. And guess what? It's still not. I still host all of my programs on Facebook in private Facebook groups, and it works out just fine. And I've never had an issue with it. So I've really, over the course of my business, I test all the time from the creation of my products or services and and trainings to how I host them, to my own marketing and and like uh, everything is like how can I make this easy? And I'm telling you it' it's like the the more that I can lean into that and quote let it be easy, it's like the more money I make and and it doesn't surprise me because if you feel good, and you feel confident, and you have space to to show up in good energy, you're naturally going to sell more. So anything that you can remove, whether it's tech, whether it's thinking that you need to launch in some crazy way, or put out programs you actually don't want to program, or that you actually don't want to offer, anything that you feel is bogging you down, if you can let that go, I have no doubt you are going to notice positive results in in the revenue or the engagement or whatever your business goals are. The next question is from Blooming Games, and she asked, do you wish you had just started out of the gate with pricing your offers higher? And my answer is no. And I think that that's such a good question because truth be told, my prices, (laughs) the amount that they have increased over my career is, I mean, depending, some people will be like, well, of course, (laughs) like, and, and that's how I feel too. Like it'd be weird if they didn't, but it's, it's quite significant. The amount that they've increased. I'm trying to think of an example. I mean, a good example is, um, I'm trying to think of what, I used to charge the first time I ever launched a podcast or not a podcast, a mastermind. I want to say it was $400 a month. My very first mastermind, it started at four, $400 a month. It very quickly increased to five. And then I think it got up to like eight or something. And then I closed that mastermind. So that's where I started And now my mastermind is $2,000 a month. If somebody had told me that in 2019, when I first launched this mastermind, I would have peed my pants. (laughs) There's, I mean, so the reason why I say, no, I, I don't wish I had started out the gate increasing prices is because it's a natural evolution. And this, this is for everybody. So just because I started at this point and increased to where I am now it does not mean that that's what you need to do. I have actually a couple of private clients right now who are in their first year of business and their second year of business charging what I charge now for their one-on-ones, for their masterminds and I I'm so obsessed with that and so impressed by that and guess what they are selling them. And It's never about their audience. It's never about your audience. It's always about your level of confidence in what you price your offers at. If you feel good about your pricing, if your pricing feels expansive to you and you feel confident putting it on a sales page, um, articulating it in a DM, if you feel good about it, then the person on the other end, at the, it just comes down to, do they want it bad enough or not? In a lot of cases, in, in many cases, oftentimes, it's not even if they can afford it. Because I've seen many times, and I am proof of this, that if the offer is juicy enough, the offer is good enough, if the person wants the transformation bad enough, they'll take action even if they can't afford it, just like I did with my first coach. I was like, I can't afford you, but I want this so badly. I'm going to figure it out and figure it out I did. <laughs> and it was stressful, but I live to tell the tale. And I don't recommend that. I'm certainly not recommending that anybody make financial decisions that they're not ready for or comfortable with at all. But my point is that, again, if you feel confident and good about your pricing, you will be able to sell it. So you get there over time. So we all have a baseline. We all have a level that we feel comfortable with. So if you are somebody who you are creating your own offers and you're trying to decide what to price your program or your one-on-one packages or whatever your offers may be, start playing with numbers, you know, see what, it, what feel, you know, start with one number and feel it out. So if you're launching a mastermind, then ask yourself, okay, if I charge $500 a month for <laughs> X amount of months and I get X amount of people in it, how would that feel for me? Would I feel compensated at a level that makes that that makes this feel worth my time that makes me want to show up and pour all of myself into this and you know give 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 it all if the answer is yes great if the answer is i don't know that doesn't feel exciting to me it feels like i would be resentful okay what about 550 or 600 and then start inching up from there but the last thing i'll say about pricing your prices will always increase should always increase and will naturally evolve over time so i i'll get questions sometimes from from women that i'm working with and they're like okay what do you charge for this what what was your what did you charge your first mastermind and i have to tell them like it doesn't matter what i charged we are not the same person Like I'm happy to tell you, but just because I charged that for this specific offer doesn't mean that that's the right thing for you or for somebody else. So I'm happy to give you an idea, but at the end of the day, you have to decide where you're at and what you feel comfortable and most confident with sharing. The next question is from Miss Michelle Lee, and she asked, how did you step into the mentor role with confidence in the beginning? I love this question because I remember very well. It was 2018. I had just launched my first course. This was the first thing I had ever created of my own and put out into the world. It was a really big moment i made five thousand dollars we finished that year wasn't great and then i'm looking at a brand new year 2019 and i'm asking myself okay (laughs) i i want to continue creating courses but this five thousand dollar launch situation it's not going to cut it now obviously obviously the more that you do something the more that you grow an audience it's i mean naturally like your business is going to grow your launches are going to get a little bit bigger your offers are going to get better we all get to grow over time right but that that launch something about it it just it kind of burned me out a little bit cuz i had overthought everything and i felt like i worked so hard and I didn't have the the level of creativity for offers, like creating my own offers that I do now. So I remember thinking, like, I want to put out something new, but I don't even know what to do. So then it was like, well, crap, what am I going to sell? And really, the only other ideas that I could put out as, as a, a course creator or as a, a educator on social media is some sort of mentorship package whether or or mastermind right you either teach in a course or you mentor people one-on-one or you know and obviously there's flexibility with how you decide to do that and I remember having that realization and realizing that I wanted to launch a mastermind because that's how I started with my coach. I started with Sarah and I got in her mastermind and I got a feel for how she offered the mastermind. And I started getting a bunch of ideas of how I could do something similar, but obviously in my own way. And then I had massive imposter syndrome. I was like, there's no way that anybody would join my mastermind. Like I, I feel like I just started this business. I just launched my first program. Who am I to turn around and now launch a mastermind? I felt so silly and I felt embarrassed. Like I felt weird talking to Sarah about it. Cause I didn't want her to think that I was like taking her idea, even though like so many people have masterminds. So I share this because I went through the whole Span of emotions. And I don't know the first time I ever heard somebody explain this to me. I don't know who it was, but I just remember somebody essentially being like, as long as you're a couple of steps ahead of somebody, you can help them in some way, in whatever way makes the most sense for you, whether that's a one on one package or a mastermind or whatever, you know, whatever the case may be. You just have to be a few steps ahead of somebody. And starting to really understand that grew my confidence. And I was like, okay, I guess I'm just going to give this mastermind a shot. And what did I, I called it the mother hustler mastermind. That was my very first mastermind. I was obsessed with the name and the whole point was to help women grow on social media right? Because that was like my thing. And, and I realized like, oh my gosh, I know so much about social media. Of course, I have something to offer here. But I still went through that, that full span of imposter syndrome emotions. So to answer the question, how did you step into the mentor role with confidence in the beginning, was I just realized that I do have something to offer. I had a vast knowledge of the industry that I was in. And no, I wasn't freaking Amy Porterfield. And no, I wasn't Sarah Dan. And you know, I was a few steps behind these other people. But that doesn't mean that I can't put out something. And what I've learned over the years, because if somebody's sitting here listening to this and you're thinking, OK, but so-and-so already has a mastermind or there's so many other people that have created this type of course or this type of offer, it doesn't matter. Because guess what? There are so many people that need what it is that you can offer, that you can actually teach, and they don't vibe with the other people that teach it. Or they don't follow those other people. They don't know that they exist, but they're following you. They're paying attention to you. They vibe with you. We all have different people that we vibe with, right? So You owe it to your people to put out the thing that you're put on this planet to put out. And that's going to also evolve over time. You owe it to your people to show up fully and give them what they want. And it, it doesn't matter how many different variations and competitors there are out there because the cream rises to the top and there's a billion people just on Instagram alone. So there's never a shortage of pieces of pie to go around. The next question is from Taylor Seguelia, I think is how you pronounce that. And she asks, how were you able to make this switch in what you offered in your business a few years ago? So I assume she's talking about whenever I was managing social media to teaching, but I've also done this with social media and now business strategy. I talk a lot more about business strategy now than I do social media. How I was able to make those two distinct pivots in my business is, one, I just decided. And two, I started taking action. I didn't ask permission. I didn't pull my audience to see if they were cool with it or see if they would still stick around. I just, I I got, you know, it, it was like this honesty that I had to have with myself in both of those times that I wasn't really in love with what I was doing anymore and something needed to change. And I just took action on it and trusted that either it would work out or it would lead me to the next thing. That's what I did both times. So I'm trying to think if if there are any other more specific, tangible tips I guess as far as, you know, on social media, when I made the switch from talking more about social media to, to business strategy, again, it wasn't like this big announcement. It wasn't this big announcement. Where I was like, P.S., I don't want to talk about social media anymore. Actually, well, actually, <laughs> now that I think about it, I think I did make a post that said that, but it was it was really It was after I'd already decided and I I essentially was like, I don't want to just talk about social media more. Our businesses are so much more than that. It was kind of a, a post that was I was really proud and excited for what's to come, but I didn't feel like I had to make that post, right? I just what I started to do was I started making offers that were in line with the type of business that I actually wanted to create. Same thing whenever... I was managing social media that was well, not the same thing It was actually quite different because I had to stop working with those clients because I it wasn't lighting me up anymore and I was super burnt out. And then I shifted gears and I started building a brand on social and created my very first course. So in both cases, just deciding, okay, what I'm doing now is not working for me what can I do next and trusting my heart in the best way that I could, even though no doubt I was scared to death in some cases and just and just went for it. It's really what I did. So the next question is by, I'm Jamie Renee, and she asks, how did you overcome judgment and negative opinions from others? That's hard. I think I really think there's a reason why we're all here on this planet right now. We all have our own personal missions on Earth. We all have our things that we are meant to do and and change in this world and we all have a set of challenges, obstacles, Things that we also are here to overcome just to grow as humans, as souls, however you see that. And I really think one of my big challenges that I am here to overcome in this lifetime is my fear of judgment because that's something that I have dealt with since I can even remember, you know, growing up and being embarrassed about the clothes that i was wearing and how many times we moved as a family and how i reeked of cigarette smoke every day that i went into school to not having a vehicle to not being taught how to drive until i was 18 years old to then being embarrassed about the jobs that i had and the lack of money and the lack of education and you know like I can just like looking back on my life that it's just this theme. So if you ever wonder what, like why you're here, look back at your life because you are going to notice patterns and and themes to your life like these. And I truly believe that you, all of us, will keep getting the same lesson again and again and again through the disguise of different circumstances and events until we finally learn the lesson, the life lesson. So you can look back and you can see probably very similar-ish life lessons and events that that kind of have a theme. And no doubt one of mine is like this fear of judgment and of what other people think. So I wanted to share that just to like really give you an understanding that this is something that I've worked on my whole life and I'm, I'm actively working through today. And my answer for that is for me I've never overcome that. Like I still I still censor the things that I say on social media. I still probably make myself a tiny bit smaller than what I would if I didn't fear the judgment or the negative opinions. And this has gotten so much easier over time, like especially growing a business, especially growing a business on social media. I mean, you have to really, I mean, it's really hard to grow a business and say things that actually matter um, while also being super fearful of judgment. It's really hard to do. So growing a business on social media has been actually pretty therapeutic in a way. But where was I going with that? I I don't think I've actually overcome it, but it's gotten a lot easier. And I shared this story on a podcast um, on the uh, Relentless Growth podcast hosted by Chris Goodman. And I shared this story, and I've shared part of this story with you before, where I got like that ugly review on iTunes, and I was like, "What the heck?" And I got in my stories, and I felt so judged. I felt so judged and so misunderstood. And I got in my stories, and I ran my mouth, and basically was like talking crap to this person because I didn't know who it was. So I was like, "Well, maybe they see my stories." And I was disappointed for how I handled that because I feel like I could have handled that more of a more as a leader. Well, fast forward to like two weeks ago, this chick leaves me another review on iTunes and it was, you know, it wasn't great. And uh, and I I just looked at that and I could feel it was so interesting because for the first time, I really took a moment to be aware of how this affected me in my body. And I sat there looking at this and I could feel the anxiety and the anger like bubbling up in my stomach and in my chest, right? And and I saw, like I could hear the thoughts coming to my mind like, Who is this chick? I'm, you know, if I knew who she was, I would have a I would message her and I would say this, this, and this. And then I was like, wait, what the F does this even matter? Who cares? At the end of the day, this is one person who, for whatever reason, doesn't like me, right? But in comparison to so many of you who listen to almost every episode of this podcast, in comparison to the, I don't know, hundreds, hundreds of raving reviews on my podcast, the dozens of DMs I get almost weekly of people thanking me for the podcast or the content that I've created, right? Right. All of that compared to this one person who is judging the ever-living heck out of me, who's having a bad day and taking it out on me. There's no comparison, none. And I am going to, like, the the thought that I was going to spend one more ounce of energy feeling anything about this situation was a joke to me. I, I mean, and, and I finally, I was like, and, and it, all of that anger and anxiety, it just, it just dissipated. And I was like, I'm never going to talk about this. Like, I'm not going to go in my stories. And now I'm sharing about it because, you know, it's for me, I think it's a really good lesson because if you're going to grow a business on social media, you are going to come across a troll and not even a troll. And I'm not even saying this person is a troll. She's genuinely a person who doesn't like me so much that she's happy enough to leave me nasty reviews on iTunes and if, like try and affect my business, you know, and it's like whatever <laughs> it's it, we're, you're going to come across it. And it's just you have to remember that as business owners, if you want to grow, if you want the more exposure, if you want the more notoriety, if you want the more impact, the more engagement, the more audience, the more reviews, the more people that are obsessed with you and and genuinely positively impacted by the things that you share, you have to at the same exact time, you have no choice but to also be able to coexist with the people that do not vibe with you. Because there is not one person on the planet, Dolly Parton, Betty White. I'm trying to think of other people that just like you cannot fathom people disliking them. I feel like those are two pretty darn good examples. There are people on this planet that do not like Dolly Parton and do not like Betty White. Can you fathom that? No, but they're out there. So you best believe there's going to be some people that don't vibe with you and me, (laughs) right? So all of that to say, when I have been able to really understand what I just said to you and... Remember that in the moments that it actually matters. Like it's really easy for me to share this now when I'm not dealing currently with a hater or a troll, right? Thank God. It's really easy for me to say this, but in those moments when they pop up, that is the time that you take a deep breath and you, and I love the idea, and this is not easy to do, but I love the idea of flipping the script and being like, look at that, I have a hater. I've made it, right? Like like if you have a hater, if you have somebody that disagrees with you, that means that you're actually saying something of substance. You've actually said something that has affected somebody enough to take time out of their day to say something about it right? That means you've actually said something of substance, something. So if you can piss somebody off, that means that the opposite is also true. And you've made a lot of people happy or resonated with whatever it is you said. Obviously that's not true with every single thing. So I'm not saying like go on the internet and say the craziest things and expect, you know, you get what I'm saying. Hopefully you get, (laughs) hopefully you get what I'm saying, but but yeah, I, I think flipping it and being like, cool, who doesn't have a hater? Like I've arrived. Go on, you know, and I don't know. Anyway, that's that's how I have very, 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 very slowly but surely worked on overcoming judgment and negative opinions. And the job is never done, I don't think. So anyway, I think that that's a great place to end this episode. We still have quite a few more questions that were submitted. So I will see you here next week to, I think we'd be able to knock the rest of those out in the next episode. Thank you so much for hanging out with me today. If this was helpful for you, I would love to know. Feel free to leave me a good review on iTunes, please and, or send me a message on Instagram at Allie I Reeves. I love you so much. And I will see you here next week. Bye. Hey friend, thank you so much for listening. My goal is to help as many women as possible. And if this episode supported you in any way, the very best way to show your appreciation is by simply screenshotting this episode and sharing on your social media or with your team, or even better dropping me a review on whatever platform you're listening on. Don't forget, if you're looking for additional support, you can always reach me on Instagram at Allie I Reeves, and or you can join us in the free Six Figure Influencer Facebook group. See you back here next week.